0: What if we lived in such a way that when people met us, they walked away with healthy attributes? Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church in Southern California. And we are on a series based on the book of 1 Thessalonians, where we are learning to live in a contagiously healthy way. Enjoy the message. Well, tonight we conclude a series that we started a month ago called Contagious Living. And if you look up the word contagious, it simply uh, means what? It means infectious. It, it, it means like if you get close to or you get contact with, you might catch it. And, and it is, uh, well, in a hospital setting, it is not good, right? It's oftentimes disease. But when we talk about contagious living, we're talking about something that is good, We're talking about living in such a way that honors God that those that are near us or those that come in contact with our lives see God more, amen? And so I don't know about you, but I hope that contagious living, for you the Christian, contagious living is on your radar so that we can live in such a way that it really makes an impact with those that we come in contact with individually. But think about this, collectively as a church, Collectively, collectively as a church, as we live contagiously, could you imagine how our homes would look different? Could you imagine how our workplaces would look different and how our schools would look different and how our community and how our country and how our world would look different? And, and we've been taking all of this from the book of 1 Thessalonians, looking at attributes that we could take on in our Christian life that then can become contagious, We've looked at uh, things like thankfulness. We've looked at uh, encouragement. We looked at leadership or leading. We looked at being an example last week. And and this week, I can't wait to close off with just a real simple one. But I'm not going to tip my hat as to what that is just yet. Because I was thinking about this. I was thinking, all right, so you get up there and you preach your heart out and, and you share week after week. But do you believe this? And I want to tell you, I absolutely believe this. This isn't one of those pretty cute, ear-tickling sermon series. It's one that literally could change our world if, if, if we take it to heart and do something about it. I was thinking about how how contagious living has affected my life. And and this week, uh, I I received a phone call, and and, uh, one of our... uh, One of our team members and just part of our church here, brothers, has been a part of this church for a long time. He's been facing, uh, for the last couple of years, a a, a real battle with cancer. And he got some bad news uh, this week along with his family. And so I went and visited him over at a a hospital. And and as I'm in that elevator on my way up, and and I always feel so inadequate, especially in settings like this where where a family's really just kind of been faced with some really bad news. And I'm like, God, I've got nothing. I need your help. And so I get off on the floor, find the room, and you've you got to wash your hands. you got to put the mask on. And I walk in there, and uh, there's some family members in there. And I sit alongside uh, my brother. And, and <laughs> here's the dumb words that come out of my mouth. I looked at him with all these wires hooked up to them and fluids being shot in every direction. And I said, How? are you doing? And I don't know about you, but in the, the nervousness of the moment, you just, you just kind of do stuff like that, or at least I do. And as those words are coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking to myself, how stupid of a question. And politely, he just, he, just, he just smiled, not a big, huge smile, but he smiled, and he says, uh, I'm thankful for um, my family that's here right now. And I'm thankful that I've been getting to spend some time with my grandkids. And he reached up his hand, and he took my hand, and I thought it was to shake, but he held it. And he looked at me, and he says, and I'm, and I'm thankful for you. Now, if that didn't change my world, what will? Driving out there, there's a lot of different things around my mind, a lot of different challenges, and a lot of different struggles, and a lot of different thoughts. I'll tell you right now, because of this man's contagious living, it impacted the way that I walked out of that hospital. Do you know that you have the same power in your life to live contagiously, to make an impact in people's lives? Oh, but I don't have the title of president. I don't have the title of of pastor. I don't have the title of whatever the thing is that you think is significant. I want to tell you, titles are not significant. Your life is. And some of you have been told your life doesn't matter. I want to tell you right now, on behalf of God, your life does matter. You're not a mistake, and God wants to use you to make a difference in people's lives. Do you believe that? And we make a difference in in people's lives by living contagiously. Amen? So we're going to dive right into our text here uh, uh, today, and it's found in... First Thessalonians chapter five, and if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and the rest of uh, you will be turning on your phone apps to First Thessalonians chapter five. Uh, I was really, I was really happy and helpful this morning to let people know if you if you got to Revelations, you've gone too far, and if you got to Genesis, you've gone too far the other way. So good luck finding it there in the middle. But we're in First Thessalonians chapter five, and uh, we're going to jump uh, right into um, right into to the text here, but we're going to jump in at verse 11. And I know, I know, I don't look like the sharpest tool in the shed, but I know that there's 10 verses that are before that. And um, we're not going to talk about those. Ah, Actually, you know what? I think I will, just for a second. Because, you know, the first 10 verses are all about the end times. It's about Jesus coming back. You know he's coming back, right? Okay. And, 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 and people love People love to talk about the end times. They love to talk about what's going on in Israel. They love to talk about what's going on in Iraq. What's going on in Turkey? They love to talk about what's going on at the local McDonald's and how that's impacting and telling us about when Jesus is coming back. I mean, there's books written about all kinds of craziness. People like to discuss it, combat it. I mean, there's all, here's my deal. I will preach to you my sermon on the end times. It's kind of a bonus thing tonight here, okay? I'm going to preach to you my sermon on the end times. You Ready? Okay, ready? It's gonna happen and we're one day closer. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I'll do it again in case you wanna take notes. End times. It's gonna happen and we're one day closer. That's all you need to be concerned with. Can I get an amen to that? All right, for those of you that don't give a rep, you could go listen to all kinds of sermons online about it and be really confused and led astray. Anyways, that's the first 10 verses. I didn't say that out loud, did I? Okay, now we get to verse 11. Verse 11, Paul says this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are what? Just as in fact you are doing. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Notice it doesn't say, therefore, encourage one another and tear each other down. Uh, Therefore, uh, build each other negative thoughts. Be critical about one another. Avoid relation. It doesn't say any of that stuff. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. Now, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure this one out. Obviously, if it's coming out of my mouth, right? God is a God of relationship. You catch that? God is a God of relationship. Our DNA, the way we are wired, the way we are built is for relationship. And and, and I get it, but I don't like it all the time. How about you? Now, if I'm vulnerable with you, let me just put it this way. If you've been a journey long enough, you've heard me say this. Ministry would be wonderful if it didn't involve people. Oh, (laughs) Ministry would be wonderful if it didn't involve people. Let's take that even a step further for all of us. Life would be better if it didn't involve people. Does anyone, can I get an amen on that? Now I know some of you are hesitant. Be stinking real. Come on. Some of the best times in life are those times when people aren't around. Come on. Now, I know some of you are thinking, or oh, you're already Googling a new church to go to. Pastor hates people. <laughs> There's plenty of them out there. Anyways, but, but but hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of my best times are with people. Isn't that ironic? You get it, don't you? Our attribute, you know, we talked about thankfulness and we talked about encouragement, talk about being an example. Tonight, write this down. Our attribute is relational relational, relational. We need to to have contagious lives. We need to be doing contagious living relationally. Why? Because God built us for relationships. Go to Genesis. It says this. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, ladies, you know why for a lot of reasons, but those aren't the reasons, okay? But God has put us here on this earth and part of our DNA is for relationship. And then you fast forward to the New Testament and over 66 one another commandments are giving. Over 66 one another commandments. Things like love one another, mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice. There's all these passages, and I would go out on a limb and say this. You cannot be obedient. I cannot be obedient to God if I'm on an island by myself. If I check out from society and go hang out in a condominium and say, forget people. And I used a nice word there. Can you relate to what I'm talking about here? Does this make sense? Do Do you walk in this world too? where it's like relationships are some of the wonder, the most wonderful things and they're the most hurtful things. It's kind of like a greased pig. Do I need to finish that? Do I need to explain myself? You know what I'm talking about. You're chasing after a greased pig and you catch it, and just when it's in your arms, it's gone. And just when you thought you figured out that relationship, it's all messed up. It's like you're sitting there going, what happened? Well, I've said this to the morning service. There's a lot of times where I just want to get on a boat, go to my own island, like Tom Hanks, and just have a volleyball to talk to that doesn't talk back. Right? Wilson, right? It's just like me and Wilson. And and, and I'd like to ask do some of you want to come on that? Yeah. Well, you can't because I want to be by myself. Go to your own island. Phil Suarez, make sure it's about 100 miles away from me, your own island. (laughs) But you think about this, right? I'm joking, but not really. Because relationships can be really hard, can't they? And so here's pastor going, oh, we need to have contagious living relationally. And you're like, to you. But no, we do. And not only that, we need to lead out in it. And and, and I, I love... I love this passage because Paul is going to, he's not going to give us relationship one-on-one. He's not going to dial in all the things, but there are some things in this text that are highly relational, that if we could implement them in our lives, practical things, it will help us, it will help us to be highly relational and therefore highly contagious. Are you with me? All right, let's start with verse uh, Verse 12. Verse 12, now we ask you brothers and sisters to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who what? Admonish you. Hold them in highest regard, in love because of their work. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Encourage your spiritual leaders. Encourage your spiritual leaders. Who are our spiritual leaders. As I thought through this, I reflected in my own life. It's it's those men and women that have poured into my life, that have worked hard to make sure that I stayed on the right path, who risked, in some cases, to let me know that my life was not in order with what God wanted it to be, who risked saying, Rob, back in the day, "Robbie." You need to really check yourself out. You need to understand there is a God that you don't have to run from and be afraid of that's going to zap you, but there's an incredibly loving, gracious God. And so I began to think through some of those people. And, And then there's those people you fast forward for me 30 years later that are in my life that are encouraging me spiritually. And then there's everything in between. In my life, there have been a variety. It has taken a village to keep me on track. And even with that, I still find myself wavering. How about you? Have you? When is the last time you've stopped and just, and just thanked the people in your life that have poured into you spiritually? It's not by accident that you sit here on a Sunday night sitting in a purple chair. People, probably many, have poured into your life spiritually. And when we talk about practical ways to be relational, Paul is saying one of the ways to start is with those people that have helped you in your walk with the Lord. It could be a Sunday school teacher. It could be a grandparent. It could be a parent. In my case, it was a sibling, my sister. Who originally poured into me it could be a vbs leader right vacation bible school leader it could be uh, someone that worked in the youth ministry we call it student ministries now and it was just that person that worked 40 hours a week but on wednesdays and sundays or thursdays or fridays whatever when the, that person loved up on you as a teenager when no one else would Maybe it's an addiction ministry that you find yourself on your back and you're just like, I can't do anything anymore. And you go to one of the ministries, maybe our Celebrate Recovery ministry, and it's just some random person that was sitting in there that loved up on you where no one else would love up on you. These are the people I think Paul is saying, hey, why don't we start here and why don't we encourage our spiritual leaders? Do you know this? And you do know this. that talking about spiritual things and leading people to Jesus can be a very hard thing. Because a lot of times we're hard-hearted, aren't we? And there's been many people, think about this, how many times, I, my, I, I can't tell you, because I don't know, but I know it was a lot, how many years my sister prayed for Robbie Denton, her brother? She asked me to church, I can't even tell you how many times. That's good for you, Christine. I got more important things to do, right? How many How many of you... Someone just pray over and over and over again that you would ever be in church, and here you are. And you're here on the wings of those prayers. You're here on the grace of God, are you not? And so wouldn't it be wonderful if you sent a text to those people or that person? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you emailed that person? Or what if you did something really old-fashioned? You called them. Now, now I'm glad you're sitting, because I'm even gonna go to a whole nother level. What if, what if, what, what if you did that in person? I'm just, right? Now, I want to I take this a step further because we're talking about all sorts of people that have poured into our life and it says that worked hard in doing so. But now I want to talk specifically about a, a certain group of people. They are not better than, they're not higher than, they're none of that stuff and they would, they would totally 100% agree with me. But as, as one of their teammates, I want to say to you something. The team that I work on is amazing. The people that I work alongside, and, and some of you would call them my staff, but I call them my team. I, I want to tell you, you you have no clue how hard they work behind the scenes to pour into our children, to pour into our teens, to pour into our young adults, to pour into our, you know, adults, to our, our singles, our marrieds, to our senior uh, They... They pour in a lot. Can I ask you, do me a favor if you're struggling with some of the people in your own life with saying, I can't remember, and please look back. But I also want to encourage you. Can can you encourage some of my teammates and thank them for their hard work and what they're doing for the Lord? Amen. You know why I say that? I have a buddy right now that's a lead pastor at a church that's thriving. And from the outside, everyone would say, oh my gosh, and he's speaking all over the country and everything's wonderful. But as I talked to him on the phone, he's like, um, I just about resigned last week. And I'm really thinking that I just, I got, I, I'm done. I, I, I wanna tell you something. There's more of that than you know. There's more of that out there than you know. And that's Paul, I think, had a little insight into this that one of the ways in which we could be highly impactful is to be relational, and that's to encourage our spiritual leaders. Maybe your few words, maybe your few words could keep someone in the game that was ready to get out. Not get out of Christianity, but get out of ministry. Just a thought. I I, want to throw a name out there, by the way. Uh, This guy has been an elder for over 20 years. He was an elder at my age, and he's been faithfully serving. And when our Celebrate Recovery ministry was going through transition, when the founder, Robin Cade, uh, moved to Colorado, uh, we had some wonderful people fill in and really help out. But there was a point in which we said, I'm not sure we could do this ministry anymore. You know, the leadership was not necessarily there anymore, and it was a challenge, and it's a hard, hard ministry. And we were ready to close that door. And God put Gary Millard on my heart. And I said, hey, Gary, I have no clue why I'm even asking you this. But I'd love for you to consider praying about helping to lead CR, our Celebrate Recovery ministry. A few weeks later, he said yes. Do you know that I think uh, Stacy's up here. and She's one of the faithful leaders there. Stacy, is it this Tuesday that Celebrate Recovery celebrates its 11th year? The 8th? Most Celebrate Recovery ministries last just about a year. What, why am I saying all that? Gary Millard does so much at our church and asks for very little. There's a perfect example of someone that we could come alongside and encourage. Amen? Well, let's continue on in this whole idea of being highly relational. Paul says this he says uh, in verse 13. Um, hold them in the highest regard and love in, and, and because of their work. And then he says, Live in peace with each other. There's a transition that happens here. He goes from talking about the spiritual leaders, now, as he's reading, as this letter's being read, he's talking about the person that sits across the table from you. He's talking about the person that sits next to you, the person that's alongside of you. And in our case, we could look at this in, in our church. You know, we've got three services on Sunday and we have a service on Saturday. Uh, last week we had right at 600 people in here a lot of times we'll we'll think that we're just a church of 150 or whatever but we've got a lot of us doing this but remember there's 250,000 people within a five mile radius of here right And, and and the thing that will destroy our impact here in the valley faster than anything else is if there's division in the church The devil will use division. By the way, Jesus, one of the last things he prays for, he could pray for anything he could ever think of or imagine. And Jesus prays for what? The unity of the believers. Why? Because he knows the devil or the enemy is going to attack the unity. And so when we talk about live in peace, we're talking about live in unity. We're, We're talking about living in oneness. You know, back in the day, the enemy of the church was those outside of the church. We would call them the non-Christians. We don't believe that today. Because the truth is this. The enemy is not outside the church. The enemy is us. Did I say that out loud? And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just reality. The the world doesn't have to rip apart the church because we do a good job of doing that ourselves. You know, so-and-so over here doesn't like so-and-so over there, and so we start, you know, bickering and whining and having sides and all that. Uh, Praise God, I don't sense any of that going on at West Valley right now. We've had some of that in our history. All churches do because we're human. But I just want to remind you what Paul says, that we need to live in peace. We need to keep the unity, not the disunity, not the chaos, not the dissension, not the things that the enemy would desire. Are you with me? And then relationally, put that in your world and in, in, in my world with my relationship with my wife or my children, or relationship with my family, a relationship with my team, whatever it is, everything could be going along so well and then all of a sudden, something divides it and all hell breaks loose. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't even tell you how many people this morning walked out of here and just went, oh my gosh. Everything's fine, but my family, oh. You want me to be relational with them? And one person's like, you could choose your church family. You can't choose your immediate family. (laughs) You know what? We're not talking about being fair here. Paul's not talking about being fair. He's talking about being right. He's talking about living contagiously. I struggle with this, I think, just as much as many of you struggle with it. Being on an island by myself is very appealing more than you think. But God wants me in relationship. He wants you in relationship, and He wants us not just in relationship, but He wants peace there. Now imagine what kind of impact we could have as West Valley Christian Church on our community if we oozed oneness. And when you got your haircut at the barber, you're not talking about the person at the church that you dislike or the preacher that's really bad and boring. But instead, you're just talking about, man, I'm I'm glad to be a part of something that's so amazing. Not portraying something fake, but being real about it. But I think a lot of what the world hears from the church is negative talk. Are you with me? What I need to do is I need to draw a circle around me and pray for revival and say, Lord, don't start the revival out there. Start the revival in the circle. I can't wait for you to lead the way in living in peace. I need to live the way, lead the way in living in peace. And I would, I would encourage you to all think that direction too. Oh, but pastor, if only my mother-in-law would just ask for forgiveness and if she would just stop nagging. And, I'm not talking about my mother-in-law. I'm just saying, I'm using this as an example. I want peace there. But you know what I'm saying? It's so much easier for me and for you to put it on somebody else, for them to lead out in this. Why don't we put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants and lead out our own selves? Why don't we lead out in living in peace? Why don't we live at lead out in doing the right thing, even if it hurts? And I believe God, and I believe God will honor that. How about you, church? It's not about disunity. It's not about chaos. It's not about friction. It's not about unrest. That's what the enemy would want. Paul is reminding his church the importance of stop shooting your own. Hold hands and sing kumbaya. Not really. But practically. I was playing uh, racquetball with my son the other day. And um, he's 23 years old and faster than his dad, maybe even stronger, certainly not smarter yet, but um, we're playing, and he took a full swing at one, and I just happened to be in the wrong place. And so it went right here, and I heard the bells are ringing, and it was not Christmas time. It's a wonderful life yet, so... And we, I just, after everything was cool, I just smiled. And he's like, Dad, I did not mean that. I said, no, I know you didn't. I hope I know you didn't. But I was thinking about it. How many of us are putting racquetballs in each other's ears in the church on purpose? So that it stings. And so it hurts. Church, we're on the same court. But let me also remind you we're on the same team. Live and, peace. and take that into your home. Take that into your workplace. Take it out on the ball field. Well, Paul transitions, and this is where we'll kind of close out on this section. He says in verse 14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Well, how can we live contagiously in a practical way relationally? Number three, are you guys ready? Warn the idol. Isn't that what Paul says, Warn the idol? Let me give you the context. Young Christian church, they're facing persecution. Some are seeing their loved ones die because of their faith. There's a, they're, they're scared. But at the same time, they also have this anticipation that Jesus is coming back. They, also, they are also eagerly awaiting, like he might be coming in the next 24 hours, not kind of like us, but literally he might be coming in the next day. He might be coming in the next seven days. Surely he'll be here in a month. And part of what Paul is warning against is that some people in the church became lazy. They became idle because they're like, it doesn't really matter how I live now. I'll just kick back in my purple chair. I don't think they had purple chairs. I'll just kick back on my wood stump until Jesus comes back. It doesn't really matter how I act towards other people. It doesn't matter how I live. And Paul's saying, I need, we need to warn those that are idle. And you say, well, what does that have with 2017? Well, I'm glad that you asked because actually the truth is it's just the opposite for us, isn't it? Uh, When's the last time, honest, be honest, when's the last time you woke up in the morning and said, oh, my gosh, Jesus could come back today? I, I I just don't think it's on most of our radars. It's certainly not on mine. Once in a while, I'll think about it. But there was an urgency back then that led to complacency in some cases and there's there's the opposite today there's 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 no urgency that also has led to complacency. It's like you know what? I don't even have to put it on the radar. I'll just live like I want to live and I'll give like I want to give and I'll serve like I want to serve and I'll speak like I want to speak and I'll think like I want to think and I'll live like I want to live cuz you know, I got time. I want to tell you something. Do you really? Do you know that for sure? Do you really know that you got time? Again, the Bible says he's coming back and we don't know when, we're just one day closer. And I think there ought to be an urgency in my life to live a contagious life so that not only am I right with God, but those that are around me can be impacted by his love and by his grace and by his forgiveness, amen? Warn the idol, he says. I don't know about you, but anytime there's warnings that go off in my life, there's a loud noise with it. My alarm clock goes off loud and it's obnoxious. My car light, when it's going off, it ding 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 and a light flashes. You're going across the train tracks. Hopefully those things go down and there's big red lights that flash, and there's noise with that, right? And this isn't warning necessarily those that are outside of the Christ right here. He's saying to our brothers and sisters, how many of you know that people that used to walk with the Lord that aren't around here anymore? And I don't mean be loud and obnoxious and a megaphone in their life, but I think we should put them back on our radar and, and, and in love say, hey, hey, you know what's right. Get your tail back with the Lord. Amen. Why do we do that? Because we love people. It's relational. Why do we not do that? Because we're stinking selfish. You know why I struggle with this thing on being relational? Because I am in and out of selfishness all the time. Can anyone relate to that? I I, I look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter two, and and, and Paul says this, the same guy that's writing uh, the first Thessalonians letter, he writes this, and he says in, in chapter two, verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And your attitude should be that of the same of Christ Jesus. This is the core. This is the gut of this whole relational thing. Why we struggle or why I struggle with relationships is because we're selfish at the core. It's my world and you're living in it. Amen? And if you're not living the way I think you ought to live, then get out of my world. If you don't vote the way I vote, then get out of my world. If you don't love the way I love, if you don't dress the way I dress, if you don't look the way, I mean, the the list goes long, doesn't it, church? And so what is the center of all that? It's me, me, me. No wonder we struggle with relationships. Yes, no? And so I just have to be real and look in the mirror and go, man, it starts with me. You're right, Paul and Philippians. My my attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I don't want it to be sometimes. You know, let's be real, real. Sometimes I just want to step out of that for one Give me one second, Jesus. Let me just step out of this one second. I got to put somebody in this real quick, and then I'll come back here, right? Come on. Church, that's not how it works, is it? And, and, And Paul says, man, we need to encourage spiritual leaders. We need to live in peace. We need to warn the idle. And then he says this, we need to encourage the timid. Someone that doesn't have courage, someone that's down, someone that's hurting, someone that has heartache, someone that's depressed, someone that says, I can't do this anymore. It's the Eeyore in our lives. And sometimes I'm the Eeyore, and sometimes I'm the one that needs to come alongside the Eeyore and says, You can do it. You are smart enough. You are good enough. You are God's child. You are not a failure. You're not a mistake. You're not defined by your failures. Encouragement is simply that. It's instilling courage. And this is what Paul is saying. Give courage to the timid. It's my high school wrestling coach. When I got my butt kicked over and over and over again, my freshman and sophomore year, it's my my wrestling coach that kept saying to, to me, Robbie Denton, you could do this. Keep going. Keep getting up. Keep, I believe in you. And eventually I found success in wrestling. More important than wrestling is success in life, isn't it? More important than that is to be contagious for Jesus Christ, to those that are suffering in our world that need to see this. We can't be on an island. God has called us to be salt and light, to live contagious lives. Again, you can make a difference. And lastly, he says, help the weak. People that are struggling to trust God, people that are drowning in their own sin. Inside and outside the church. Come alongside those that are ready to take their last breath and help them. I remember many years ago, a young man, as I was doing our college ministry, popped in the middle of the day into my office, which was a modular on this campus, and He just looked white as a ghost. He was a part of our college ministry. He says, I need to talk to you. And I said, all right. He said, "Um, I just got a call that my dad just had a heart attack at work and died. I think his dad was probably around my age right now. He goes, Rob, I have to go home and tell my mom this. And I remember praying with him and I remember him going and doing that. And then that night he called me and I went over to their house, and the house was completely dark except for a little TV screen. I could remember it like it was yesterday. And that now widow was sitting in this rocking chair just staring at a screen. And I sat there with her for hours. God calls us to help the weak. Fast forward. My mom, actually it was my dad that passed away. I was all alone out in the desert with my dad at the hospital, all by myself, stupid, not knowing what to do next. I help people through this all the time, but I'm standing there next to my dad's body, dead body and this young nurse and looking at her saying, now what? And, and word got out to some people here at this church, and, and I kid you not, Glenn Kirby, Elu Elisera, and my mom all drove out separately and met me at a little restaurant there and just sat with me. For an hour or so, we can't do stuff and we can't be those kind of people if we're out on an island all by ourselves. God has designed you for a purpose to be relational, to encourage your spiritual leaders, to live in peace, to warn the idle, to encourage the timid, to help the weak. The question is this Will you? Will I? God, help me and help my friends as we try and grab a hold of your scripture here tonight and put it into our life here today. God, I know there's a lot of different things going through my mind. There's a lot of different things going through everybody's mind in regards to this. There's pushback, there's buy-in, there's confusion. There's, there's, there's just all sorts of things. God, unify our hearts and unify our minds. Help us to be highly relational and highly contagious to not only one another in this room, but to our community so that they could see you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this message helpful, why not help us spread the word by sending this message to a friend or a family member? You can also visit us on campus at one of our four worship experiences. For times and location, please visit us online at wvcch.org. Have a great day. you always shown me You forget all My rebellions That you've always shown me You forget all my rebellions did and my transgressions, yet I.